Hi everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey everybody, welcome to God's Plan, Your Part. Today we are in Leviticus 24 and 25, and this is our second to last Leviticus episode. We'll be out of Leviticus tomorrow. That's pretty crazy. I'm actually surprised. As we're reading over 24 and 25, Jenny, what are the questions that you have? What are the things that you do not like? (laughs) I feel like I always find something I do not like. I don't know if it's necessarily things that I don't like today. It's just, it's kind of weird and I'm not sure how to explain it without feeling uncomfortable. So like the eye for an eye section in 24, where it talks about like anyone who takes human life shall surely be put to death. But right before that, it talks about the punishment for someone who was blaspheming the name of God was to stone them to death. So, like, it's okay to kill somebody on behalf of, like, blasphemous speech, but at the same time, anybody who kills anybody will surely be put to death. <laughs> so, it's just, it, it's uncomfortable, and it rocks me, and I would have hated to be the person who had to take someone out outside the, the tent, whatever, and have to be the person that stoned somebody. Like, I just don't think that would sit well at all. I don't understand. So, in Leviticus 24, we get an episode, and it's helpful to remember this is a narrative. We've had, like, a lot of rules and a lot of laws that are getting set up. Yeah, this is actually one of the only narrative instances in Leviticus outside of chapters 8, I believe, 8 to 10. This is one of the only times, and it seems really random, just gets, like, splatted in there. Well, it's interesting that you say it seems random, because it actually fits within the idea of laws and regulations and Mm -hmm. punishments. And so so the point of Leviticus, again, is that God is teaching a people how to be holy, to represent him, to be a a nation of priests. Mm -hmm. And so part of being a nation of priests is that you cannot blaspheme the name of God. Uh, Interesting fact this, this is a is... sojourner mixed <laughs> yes, person. This, this that is, is what they the same it. law they're going to use to crucify Jesus. So this law that they're using in Leviticus 24, mm-hmm. um, extra credit fun facts, this is the son of an Egyptian man, which means there's an Egyptian man traveling within the community. Why? So because he a, escaped Egypt with Israelite, the Israelites. Israelite mother and an Egyptian father. Mm-hmm. And so I guess in the course of a fight or an argument, this guy blasphemes the name of God. Blasphemy is not allowed. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. So we we typically hear that and we would think somebody that says like, oh my God. At least that's yeah, what my I, mind goes to. I think this what is, does that actually mean? I think this is much more severe. I think this is somebody who's cursing the name of God in a very... Um, like Lieutenant purposeful, Dan. Purposeful. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> kind of like Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. In a very purposeful way. And this is dangerous for God's community. This is dangerous for a community of priests because they are serving the Lord and they can't, they can't have people in their midst that aren't. Mm -hmm. Um, You saw earlier Nadab and Abihu, God judged them immediately, demanded their lives. That is what God is going to do again. And so again, it's going to teach us, man, this holiness thing is no joke and we need to honor the Lord with everything that we do. So uh, you need to honor the Lord, your God. You need to um, not take his name in vain. This is what happens when you take his name in vain. So we go from that story into this idea that there is an eye for an eye. And immediately that's like, ah, that's that thing that Jesus was (laughs) saying is bad. Uh, But actually this is written for uh, like a judicial concept. The idea is that under God, justice is going to be like you require something equal for something equal. And this was intended for judges of the community to exercise judgment on the people as leaders. This is not meant for 
friends to treat each other this way. This mm-hmm. is not meant for brothers to well, treat each other this you, way. You had put it into like good perspective before when you said like these are the laws. It's like almost like the best comparison I can think of is it's almost like the constitution for them. Yes, this like is the law of the land. Yes. This so. is not for people to treat other people that way willy-nilly. And so when Jesus says, hey, you've heard it say an eye for an eye, Jesus is correcting their improper practice of applying this principle. They have decided in Jesus' time that like, if somebody takes something from me, I take something from them. If somebody mm-hmm. punches me, I punch them. That is not what this was ever intended for. And so we see I here... I think it can be very easily um, like twisted into that or thought of being that way. You are not allowed to uh, fight back against somebody in a way that is not equal to the way that you have been offended. And so this does highlight how serious it is to speak against the holiness of God. That is a terrible thing and it's not allowed. Um, But it's also like if somebody steals something from you, you're not allowed to go burn down their house. If somebody... (laughs) Are you allowed to go steal from them? No. Again, it's for judges. It's not for individual people. So what would the judgment be then? Like from the judges, what would they say? The judge would see the case. And actually we see Moses play this out. Like the, the guy takes the Lord's name in vain. He gets taken into custody. Moses goes and asks God what is supposed to happen. God gives judgment, and they act out that judgment. I understand. I wonder if that's what... Remember those two weird words uh, that Aaron had to... <laughs> the Urim and yeah, the Thummim? Yeah, because they said that they needed uh, guidance from the Lord as to what to do. Moses gets guidance from the Lord, and the Lord tells him what to do, and they carry out that punishment. Again, speaking against the name of God is very <laughs> offensive, and they deal with it in a harsh way, and that kind of sets up like, hey, the law is serious... But it is for judges and leaders. It's not for any old person. Um, And again, we'll see that get twisted by the people in Jesus' day. And Jesus is going to correct that. He's not going to come against it. He's going to correct it. Yeah. So he's not saying, hey, forget the Old Testament. It's dumb. (laughs) He actually ends up saying, I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Um, He's just correcting their improper understanding of what's going on. Then as we move into chapter 25, it talks about the Sabbath year. And something that I thought was really cool that I had picked up on, actually had to listen to it twice until I actually, I think, kind of fully appreciated it. But it talks about letting the land rest. So within a seven-year span, by the sixth year, they need to prepare so that the, the land can rest within the seventh year. So um, I think it said in there that if they they ask God to bless them with what they need within the sixth year, God will provide what they need three times the amount in the sixth year so that in the seventh year they have what they need as well as the eighth as well as the ninth from what they had saved up from that sixth year. So it's just kind of a cool way of just like God providing for them and the Israelites realizing like the severity of needing to follow these, again, specific directions of the Lord. So what Jenny is talking about is in Leviticus 25, there is this rhythm of rest that's set up. So every seven days you rest, every seven years you rest, every seventh, seventh year <laughs> you rest. Uh, and it is, it's a really interesting form of faith and government and economy. Uh, You're going to see God demanding that you rest from your work. We still do that today. Hopefully in some way you're practicing that in your life. Um, Every seventh year, you're going to allow the land to rest. Now, people were still allowed to eat whatever grew, but you didn't purposely like sow or reap. So you let the land rest. Also, if you're in agriculture, if you're a farmer, uh, you know, that's actually like a really good idea. It also can be kind of a scary idea too. Like, at least for me. Yeah. 
relying that, oh yeah, next year, six year, that's when you take in as much as you as much as you need for the next three years because the seventh year the land needs to rest. It's, that would be like so tense for me. It's kind of interesting because it would be tense, but it would also be like, man, you know what? I'm not going to have to farm like a crazy person yeah, next year. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Now, they did not observe this. This this becomes a serious problem very quickly. So they probably just ran into the same <laughs> tensions that we do. They did not end up doing what they were supposed to do. And we don't find this widely in practice until they come back from the exile. So that is like after Daniel mm-hmm. and Jeremiah. So it's quite a, a while till they time. actually put this into practice. But every seventh year, there is a Sabbath rest, a sabbatical. <laughs> um, yeah. I was going to say, that sounds That's, familiar. Yeah. Um, and then every... 50th year there is this year of jubilee where actually for two years in a row you take the sabbath rest and then you take the jubilee rest and in the jubilee you return a bunch of property and land yeah so so, it's like if you come on hard times you can like give your land to someone else and then hope to be able to make enough money to get it back or sometimes it just is given back The land stays within the family. So within those six years, if you sold it, you get it back. No, but aren't they moving constantly though? This is this is to be put into effect when they are in the promised land. Oh, when they're in. Okay, I okay. That makes a lot more sense. (laughs) Um, So it's really interesting in that it is going to provide people a way to be faithful, to trust that God is going to provide. It's also going to do really interesting economical things like. Today, people complain often about how all the money belongs to like, what, like (laughs) 10 people, the billionaires. That would not have been an issue in this Israelite community because you weren't really supposed to be like piling up wealth. You were supposed to rest. You were supposed to trust the Lord. You were supposed Mm -hmm. to give back. Um, It also is not a place where it's a communist thing where everybody owns everything because then they're all taking advantage of each other. So we have in our world today frustrations with communist governments. We have in our world today frustrations with capitalistic governments. It's really interesting that the Lord is telling the Israelites to live a completely different way. Uh, it's also interesting that they did not live that way and it it produced a lot of challenges for them. I have a quick question yeah. as like... We keep reading through all of these things that the Lord is speaking to Moses. So in my mind, because we're reading through chapter 24 and 25 and 26, these chapters that keep going, Mm -hmm. this in my mind is like a span of an extremely long time, but I feel like it's probably not. And this is just like a notebook of, of Moses is that he's just, you know, sitting down for a (laughs) night or two, taking all these notes. And then we kind of jump back, because especially as we're at the end of Leviticus, we're going to jump back into probably some more narrative text, right? I would assume, or am I incorrect? Well, as we wrap up Leviticus, um, we're going to then jump into Numbers, and Numbers is a lot more narrative text. Yeah. So what I'm saying is like, it seems like Leviticus, as we're coming to a close, is a lot of rules, laws, regulations, but is it like, it's kind of just like a... What to expect in the narratives. Yeah, it's preparing the people. So mm-hmm. how, like, if you would give, like, a time span to this, can you do that? What would, what would living well, this be for Well, I mean, us? They, they wander in the wilderness, like, 40 years. So and how so much of this they time are, They are that? trying to live as best they can under this law. Right. Um, but it is relatively a short period of time. Okay. I mean, for them, it was not a short period of time. 40 years is a long time. Uh, but in the span of biblical history, it's quite a while. Interesting. So uh, what is interesting about that is chapter 25 starts with the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai. The other (laughs) chapters do not start Mm -hmm. that way. And so chapter 25 is a little bit of a callback to a time before. 
connecting it directly to like the Ten Commandments and the law that was given to Moses. That makes this chapter a little bit unique. I'm trying to figure out because like the more that I read this, I'm like, dang, this is a long period of time. And like my question earlier about like the land question when they need to like divide it up or make sure it's given back appropriately. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, they're they're just out in the middle of nowhere right now. But the the actual like dividing of land was meant for when they get to the promised land. So like Leviticus may have actually just been a super short period of time that Moses is hearing from the Lord to go and tell the people. With a little bit of narrative in there, but yeah. But it's not like a super duper long time. Correct. So that's helpful. Another key concept with this, just in understanding different biblical ideas, is this is another goofy passage with uh, directives for slave owners. And one of the things it's going to talk about with slave owners is that all slaves go free in the seventh year. So where where God talks about slavery, it's very, very different than it is than we understand it today in that there is required freedom on a regular basis. And the expectation is when they are freed, they will be of much higher economic status than when they first entered slavery. Well, it's not like, from my understanding too, slavery in this sense is not a captured person. That's correct. This is a person that is like, in a weird way, like selling themselves out so that they can work in order to pay a debt in order to eventually like have that higher status like you're talking. So as we look over chapter 24 and 25, one of the most interesting things for me uh, as a takeaway for us today is this Sabbath cycle of rest. Like God is requiring that they rest every seventh day, every seventh year, and then twice in the 50th year. And it's creating in his people a cycle of just faithfully following him and believing that he will care for them. It's super valuable for us today. Again, we don't find salvation in these things, but it causes us to trust in him. And so if you don't have some kind of Sabbath cycle in your life, if you're not every seven days, um, just taking time off to reflect in what God has done for you, be thankful for the ways that he's led you. I encourage you to develop that. Like every seventh day, like take a whole day off and be thankful for what the Lord has done for you. Uh, We don't have necessarily today the benefit of taking every seventh year off, uh, but the, the concept is incredible in that we would have to come to a place of fierce faith in the provision of God. And I know so many people in my life uh, that have like a fierce faith that the Lord will provide. And it always encourages me when when I see that and when they encourage me to do the same. So this Sabbath cycle that we see in Leviticus 25, uh, I just encourage us to adopt that as much as we possibly can, just trusting that the Lord is going to provide for us. We can take time to rest. We don't have to be like robots or machines just constantly working and churning out more and more and more. Just take time to relax Uh, to rest in the fact that the Lord is your God and he will provide and he will care for you today. So we'll see you again tomorrow. We're wrapping up Leviticus tomorrow. So see you then. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our take on God's word. Stick around and listen to the word uh, on the second part of the podcast. Before we get in there, uh, we just want to remind you, you can connect with us at any time on social media and YouTube at God's plan, your part. Also, we are a listener supported podcast. So if you ever want to help us out with the ministry that we're doing, uh, you can do that by clicking the link in our description. And now here's the reading for today. Leviticus 24. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil from beaten olives for the lamp, that a light might be kept burning regularly. 
Outside the veil of the testimony in the tent of meeting, Aaron shall arrange it from evening to morning before the Lord regularly. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. He shall arrange the lamps of the lampstand of pure gold before the Lord regularly. You shall take fine flour and bake twelve loaves from it. In two-tenths of an ephah, you shall take fine flour and bake twelve loaves from it. Two-tenths of an ephah shall be in each loaf. And you shall set them in two piles, six in each pile, on the table of pure gold before the Lord. And you shall put pure frankincense on each pile, that it may go with the bread as a memorial portion, as a food offering to the Lord. Every Sabbath day Aaron shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. It is from the people of Israel as a covenant forever. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place since it is for for him a most holy portion out of the Lord's food offerings, a perpetual due. Now an Israelite woman's son, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the people of Israel. And the Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel fought in the camp. And the Israelite woman's son blasphemed the name and cursed. Then they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shalemith, the daughter of Debri of the tribe of Dan. And they put him in custody till the will of the Lord should be clear to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring out of the camp the one who cursed, and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head, and let all the congregation stone him. And speak to the people of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. The sojourner, as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. Whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. Whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good, life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor, as he has done, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. Whoever kills an animal shall make it good, and whoever kills a person shall be put to death. You shall have the same rule for the sojourner and for the native, for I am the Lord your God. So Moses spoke to the people of Israel, and they brought out of the camp the one who had cursed and stoned him with stones. Thus the people of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap what grows of itself in the harvest or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. The Sabbath of the land shall provide food for you, for yourself and for your male and female slaves, and for your hired worker and the sojourner who lives with you, and for your cattle and for the wild animals that are in your land. All its yield shall be food. You shall count seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, so that the time of the seven weeks of years shall give you forty-nine years. Then you shall sound the loud trumpet on the tenth day of the seven month. On the day of atonement you shall sound the trumpet throughout your land, and you shall consecrate the fiftieth year, and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all of its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, 
when each of you shall return to his property, and each of you shall return to his clan. That fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of itself, nor gather the grapes from the undressed vines, for it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You may eat the produce of the field. In this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his property. And if you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another. You shall pay your neighbor according to the number of years after the jubilee, and you shall sell according to the number of years for crops. If the years are many, you shall increase the price. And if the years are few, you shall reduce the price, for it is the number of the crops that he is selling to you. You shall not wrong one another, but you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. Therefore you shall do my statutes and keep my rules and perform them, and then you will dwell in the land securely. The land will yield its fruit, and you will eat your fill and dwell in it securely. And if you say, What shall we eat in the seventh year, if we may not sow or gather in our crop? And I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year, so that it will produce a crop sufficient for three years. When you sow in the eighth year, you will be eating some of the old crop. You shall eat the old until the ninth year, when its crop arrives. The land shall not be sold in perpetuity, for the land is mine. For you are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the country you possess, you shall allow a redemption of the land. If your brother becomes poor and sells part of his property, then his nearest redeemer shall come and redeem what the brother has sold. If a man has no one to redeem it, and then himself becomes prosperous and finds sufficient means to redeem it, let him calculate the years since he has sold it, and pay back the balance to the man to whom he sold it, and then return to his property. But if he does not have sufficient means to recover it, then what he sold shall remain in the hand of the buyer until the year of Jubilee. In the Jubilee it shall be released, and he shall return to his property." If a man sells a dwelling house in a walled city, he may redeem it within a year of its sale. For a full year he shall have the right of redemption. If it is not redeemed within a full year, then the house in the walled city belongs in perpetuity to the buyer throughout his generations. It shall not be released in the Jubilee. But the houses of the villages that have no wall around them shall be classified with the fields of the land. They may be redeemed and they shall be released in the Jubilee. As for the cities of the Levites, the Levites may redeem at any time the houses in the cities they possess. And if one of the Levites exercises his right of redemption, then the house that was sold in a city they possess shall be released in the Jubilee. For the houses in the cities of the Levites are their possession among the people of Israel. But the fields of the pasture land belonging to the cities may not be sold, for that is their possession forever." If your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner, and he shall live with you. Take no interest from him or profit, but fear your God, that your brother may live beside you. You shall not lend him your money at interest, nor give him food for profit. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan, and to be your God. If your brother becomes poor beside you and sells himself to you, you shall not make him serve as a slave. He shall be with you as a hired worker and a sojourner. He shall serve with you until the year of Jubilee. Then he shall go out from you, he and his children with him, and go back to his own clan and return to the possession of his fathers. For they are my servants, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as slaves. You shall not rule over him ruthlessly, but shall fear your God. As for your male and female slaves whom you may have, you may buy male and female slaves from among the nations that are around you. 
You may also buy from among the strangers who sojourn with you, and their clans that are with you, who have been born in your land, and they may be your property. You may bequeath them to your sons after you to inherit as a possession forever. You may make slaves of them, but over your brothers, the people of Israel, you shall not rule, one over another ruthlessly. If a stranger or a sojourner with you becomes rich, and your brother beside him becomes poor and sells himself to the stranger or sojourner with you to a member of a stranger's clan, then after he is sold, he may be redeemed. One of his brothers may redeem him, or his uncle or his cousin may redeem him, or a close relative from his clan may redeem him. Or if he grows rich, he may redeem himself. He shall calculate with his buyer from the year when he sold himself to him until the year of Jubilee, and the price of his sale shall vary with the number of years. The time he was with his owner shall be rated as the time of the hired worker. If there are still many years left, he shall pay proportionately for his redemption some of his sale price. If there remain but a few years until the year of Jubilee, he shall calculate and pay for his redemption in proportion to the years of his service. He shall not treat him as a worker hired year by year. He shall not rule ruthlessly over him in your sight. And if he is not redeemed by these means, then he and his children with him shall be released in the year of Jubilee. For it is to me that the people of Israel are servants. They are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.